Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. 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 Welcome back to the Rough Trade Podcast. This week we have an extra special show with not one but two guests. I'll be speaking to the brilliant Marika Hackman on the release of her third album, Any Human Friend, which came out just this past Friday. Such a great record. Really, really excited to share this interview with you. Also coming up in about five minutes, I welcome Raisa Pardini to the Rough Trade Podcast. So Raisa is a graphic designer and art director and has done some really, really amazing work with so many bands that you will know, including Idols, Mush, Squid, The Yummy Fur, The Orioles, and a whole bunch more. And she'll be chatting to me through the process of design and also the relationship between music and the visual. Uh, We've also thrown a bunch of songs in there along the way. So something tells me this will be pretty fun episode. Uh, George is back with news from Rough Trade NYC. One day we will set up a phone or something because we miss his call every flipping week. But I don't know about you, but I actually really enjoy the voicemails. And this one, I've got to say, is particularly great. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on. So yeah, all that coming up. But first, a brand new track. This is the debut single from Automatic, who are a three-piece electronic post-punk band from LA formed back in 2017. Their debut album is due for release this September. It's called Signal. And we very much think this will be a bit of a love at first listen. Um, You can pre-order it now on Red Vinyl. The single, which I'm about to play, is described as a minimal and sinister cut, which draws quite a lot of similarities to ESG and Suicide. And it's also actually available as a seven inch this week. So check in the store or online for that. So yeah, I'll be chatting to Racer straight after this, but this is automatic and calling it. Do 
Racer, welcome to the Rough Trade podcast. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Sorry, it's very stuffy in here. (laughs) (laughs) We're sweltering. It's a sweltering day in London. So yeah, as much as it's really wonderful to have artists and authors obviously visit us on the Rough Trade podcast, it's also really nice occasionally to have guests from other areas of the music business. And you certainly fit that bill. Um... I wondered if we could start and you could tell me a little bit about how you got into design and maybe specifically designing for music. Um, So, yeah, um, I studied design at uni and um, that was a decision that I made after I had a bit of experience making funds in for music. Um, I've always been into music. I've always loved music. I've Mm. been a musician um, since I was a little girl. Oh. I was uh, playing uh, organ for the church. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is quite mental because yeah. I've never been tall. And you know, the organ in the church has got like keys for your hands yeah. and keys for your legs. Yeah. But I couldn't reach the keys with my legs because I was so short. Oh, my God. <laughs> it looks incredibly difficult to play yeah. the organ. I mean, yeah, but I was doing piano with the church as well. Right, okay. My parents, my parents put me into the church class and... Um, my dad was a bass player and um, I remember one day being a bit curious about what he was doing when mm. he was younger and um, yeah, I just started playing bass and um, I felt a little bit more cool than yeah. playing the church. <laughs> <laughs> playing the organ. And I started to have bands, uh, started to collect records, started to look at the artworks for the records. Uh I found myself being very interested on the visual side. Mm-hmm. And when it came to pick the uni, I went for graphic design and visual art, moved to Milan, started to go for more gigs. Um, I used to live in a very small place and I didn't have access to a lot of gigs. Mm-hmm. So I finally moved to a bigger city with a bigger music scene. So, you know, I had it all. I, I mm-hmm. loved it. Um, started to do some posters for bands, um, some artworks for my bands, and that that's how it got started. Yeah. And, you know, I was at uni, so everything was for free, it was for friends. It was more like I'm testing myself if I'm good enough to do this. Yeah. And, yeah, it just carried on. And then um, I moved to Berlin for my first job and moved to London finally six years ago. And it's when... Uh, the connection between music and design really bonded together. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the music scene in London is something different to most places all around the world. So, yeah. um, Was moving to London the point when you thought, this is what I want to do full time? Or had you already started yeah, doing that in Berlin? But I was working for other people. So okay. I was working in studios and companies, such a um, music sales group. So, and Omnibus Press, which got a lot of books that you're selling in the shop. Mm-hmm. So I probably did some of the covers, <laughs> uh, which is great. But then at the same time, I felt that I was working for someone else. Mm. I think the actual point where I started to work for Benz mostly, it was when I moved to Glasgow last year. Okay. And I went freelancer. Yeah. So, you know, I had to rely on my contact, I re- had to rely on bands that I knew and bands I know. Um, just, um, I've already started working with people, but then this time around, I was doing this full time. Mm. So any request or, you know, any design that people needed, then I would have been there for them to do. Yeah. So, yeah, Scotland being very good to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Your designs are incredibly striking. Um, 
And literally after seeing one or two, I reckon I could probably recognise your work in a crowd. How would you describe your style to anybody who hasn't Mm, seen your artwork? So I'm very... um, I'm very into typography. I think that that w- that's the first thing you can see on my work. Mm. Try to work with very old-fashioned fonts, but trying also to give a fresher look. So let's just say something retro in terms of like using old-school types, mm. but then putting to new context. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a bridge in between old and new. Um, and I think that that having a style that way, it, it helps the design to be a bit timeless. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're a very trendy designer, creative, or you decide to follow something, whenever I'm more interested in having my style and being picked for my style. Yeah. Um, but that's me. I mean, you know, there are studios around that they want to kind of follow more the trends and do better jobs that way. But, um, yeah, I'm interested to be focused on a lot of types and um, trying to decontextualize them. Yeah. Um, there's so many, you know. There's It's so amazing to go to places that are really old, like topographers' places and offices and studios and just find a phone laying around and you're like, this has never been used. I want yeah. to use it. Yeah. And you you rediscover something again and you digitalize it and you bring it to the internet world. And it's kind of, it's exciting to um, treat every project as, um, you know, find something different. Um, you know, a band can have that font and can mm. be recognized with that font. Another band can have that visual and, yeah, it's it's kind of nice, I think. Yeah. But um yeah, that's my style. I'm I juggle things around between the old and the new. Yeah. Yeah. I like colours. I like positive messages. I think um through colours you can do that. Yeah. Um They're very like big and bright and bold. Oh designs, thanks. I think yeah. They're... So you know, um it's probably I'm probably trying to communicate while I've got inside because mm-hmm. um I've, you know, I've I love music. I, I don't just work in music. I, of course, I work with like art projects, mm-hmm. and, but mostly in music. You got given. Um, so what I say is, music is not tangible, right? So, but the designer needs to make music tangible because music is a product when it gets sold. Yeah. So you got given a product from a band and. Is their music, is everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And you have to translate that in the best way possible because it's, it's an amazing thing, you know? I feel blessed sometimes to yeah. be working with some of my favorite artists yeah. and be the one that has to transcribe their individual. Yeah. So it's a, bit, <laughs> it's a big challenge sometimes because I've got my taste, Ben's got their own taste, and there's only one design to come yeah. out with. Yeah. So... But yeah, I, I I like to treat every project differently and um, trying to make it as striking as I can. Just because, again, it's not just the record as to sell, but it's also the record is it is a result of three, four, five people together mm. being in a studio and working so hard mm. to come up with this music. Yeah. It's everything for them, you yeah. know? So yeah. that's 
what happened. I was going to ask you actually about, maybe we could chat a bit about some of the bands that you've worked with and the works that you've made for them. But speaking, you mentioned there that you've worked with some of the bands that you're a really big fan of. And I was yeah. going to ask you whether that's probably a bit more nerve-wracking, definitely more exciting probably yeah. to work on those, but probably a bit more nerve-wracking because you probably love and recognise the music so yeah. well that you want to do the best job possible on it yeah, and as of you say course. I mean, that. sometimes it happened for me to approach the band being okay. like I want to work with you yeah and again I think that being a musician and being a music lover gave me that um you know gave me that drive to try to find band that I love and trying to find band I want to do design for them. Mm. So I find myself sometimes to message people like, you know, Squid. Yeah. Uh, or Idols or like, yeah, or many of the bands I've been working with. Um, um, sometimes we're all really scared and worried that people won't reply to you mm. but it's internet it's fine you yeah. send a message the worst thing that can happen is that they, they don't, don't they don't reply yeah. is so i've i found it quite quite cool that you can message someone directly like on instagram or something mm. and then they can reply to you and it's one of the bands that you've been listening to and yeah. it's quite surreal yeah and then next thing you know you're doing some work together yeah and it's great
What are some of the most recent kind of favorite pieces you've maybe worked on? Um, I would never stop saying squid because <laughs> <laughs> squid was uh, one of my favorite projects and ongoing um, design we do together. Uh, I approached them again uh, for to do some work together. Mm -hmm. We started doing a t-shirt together. It turned out that they needed a visual design for their YouTube uh, video that would have been houseplants. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I was doing such a thing. I was a little bit terrified. I knew <laughs> how to do it, yeah. um, turn typography into animation. But it's never been something that would have been more than five seconds, you know, yeah. like a GIF or something. Right. Um, but I said yes. <laughs> and I, I kind of regret it when I, you know, when I sat down the day that I needed to start, I was like, why did I do this to me? <laughs> but then, you know, you push yourself again. Um, and I was very proud of what, what, I've, what I've achieved with them. And I really like what, what the video look, how the video looks like. And um, after that, it was followed by uh, Woes. Um, uh, again, was another visualizer that was animated. And again, with typography. And it's something that I haven't seen before. So I started to do more of this work for other people as well. And again, we were talking about being so specific and mm. come up with something so niche, you know, started to do animated type for bands that need that they need that video to be animated. It's, yeah. It's quite fun. Yeah. And uh, people started talking about those kind of videos and now I'm doing it more and more. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, it's nice. <laughs>
Obviously, idols were great because the exposure that you get with a band like idols is yeah. amazing. Before we talk about your exhibition, which oh, is yeah. very exciting, um, just maybe wanted to ask for anyone who's listening or is interested in design, any advice you might have for anybody who's maybe currently studying it or is looking to maybe get into it in some way? Um, so the best advice I can give is just go ask Mm. to do something mm. um i was a little bit shy at first just to ask people to do anything and then actually people are really nice and supportive and they will give you something to do there's yeah. always something to do you know yeah. between merch or like a video or like a poster a record cover and you can say with your mates and just you know build up a profile and a style and a portfolio that you feel strong about mm. and then you can approach bigger bands or you can even just approach bigger bands immediately yeah. you know some of them will reply to you and message yeah. you back yeah so my advice is if you really like to work into the industry just get yourself known yeah. out there and ask bands that you like to work with them and collaborate yeah of course at first maybe like money would be an issue because it's more you wanting to experience something together. Uh, but, you know, that will come up. And you know, while if you do all of this while you're at uni as well, then, of course, you don't mind doing something for free. Yeah. And, yeah. You're getting a bit ahead of yourself before yeah, you're actually out in the open. Exactly. <laughs> so you're out of uni with a, a good experience and then you can just start working. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for chatting to me today. Um, yeah. Before we go, I'm going to bring up your exhibition oh, your yeah, solo thanks. exhibition which is really exciting it's being held at the social I think the um, uh, launch night is the 4th of October 4th of October yes um, just after work so 6pm we're gonna have um, so there's the opening so there's gonna be people that have been working with me they're gonna DJ and playing um, there's a couple of names that can't be relieved okay. but if you look at my Instagram you probably guess who's gonna be <laughs> but watch this space watch this space <laughs> um, yeah so the social is 
the perfect place to do it because it's got uh, the upstairs bit where we're going to put all the posters up there and then we're going to go downstairs and watch the gigs and um, there's going to be music all around. So, uh, you know, as it, as we, we've been talking about yeah. the relationship between music yeah. and art, and there's the perfect place to do that, also yeah. the history of it and um, just what the social gave to the music scene and the music history is amazing. So I feel very blessed to be there and doing it there. Uh, I'm sure that they're going to, um, you know, they're going to appreciate my work more than just a normal exhibition space <laughs> for a, like an art dealer because yeah. they understand all the bands, they have a relationship with all the bands. So it's going to run for a month. Um, so you can go anytime after the opening. Uh, the poster will be up. And um, uh, we are talking about uh, having the exhibition moved into different places that have to be confirmed as well. But, um, yeah, watch this space. Awesome. <laughs> so I will put the links to the, the Facebook event and Thank your you. website and Instagram all the places Thank to discover you. everything and of course as I said I love receiving messages because I love sending messages to new people and if anyone's got anything that they want to ask or they want to collaborate um, I'm trying to uh, leave some space for the independent bands I've, uh, I've recently started to uh, involve new bands and independent bands in my you know on my time mm-hmm. Uh, so don't be afraid just message me and we'll work it out it would be nice to yeah. work with new bands amazing um, but then thank you Emily to have me yeah of course it's so lovely having you on <laughs> and you. we've heard some music through there as well but just to play us out as I do with every guest could you maybe pick a track I know it's very difficult because you've got lots of babies in there oh, but um, <laughs> one that we could maybe play out so uh, I wanted to play the new party because um, I've recently done a poster for them and um, it came at a place at a time for my career that um, listening to that music, doing the poster, we became friends because they're playing Glasgow a couple of times for Freakender and um, it was it just reminded me of very good time. Mm. <laughs> so listening to this track is actually, it makes me feel good. Um, so yeah, the new pie um, track that I pick. So this will be the new party. Racer, thank you so, so much. And thank you. hopefully we will see you again yeah. very soon. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
the new party and Chevrolet van you also heard in the interview Squid with Houseplants and Woes with I'll Have What She's Having thank you so so much to Racer for chatting to me as I said always so lovely to have people from all kinds of different disciplines come on the show Um, and yeah look out for her exhibition kicking off on the 4th of October I will put all the details in the show notes so five to one next and this week I spoke to Marika Hackman about exploring her newfound confidence and being herself with new album Any Human Friend. Five to one, baby. One in five. No one here gets out of life now. You get yours, baby. I'll get mine. Gonna make it, baby, if we try. So, Marika, welcome to the Rough Trade podcast. Thank you. Congratulations on the release of your third album, Any Human Friend, which is out today at the time of recording. Um, is it good to finally have it out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that very surely and quickly that, yes, it's very good to have it out. It's kind of, um, people don't realise sometimes how long you sit on a record for. Mm. And I... You know, I mastered this album in February and I had kind of finished the recording process really by like pre-Christmas. Yeah. So it's like a long old time to be kind of like waiting for the world to hear what you've been yeah. doing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of a bit, ooh, a bit like um, <laughs> overwhelming and everything when it comes out. You know, it's, it's like it's even waiting for so long and then it's finally out. But it's definitely, it almost feels like the Band-Aid's kind of ripped now and it's really exciting and you can yeah. just kind of exist alongside it in the world rather than kind of sitting on it yeah do you feel like you can kind of rediscover and refall in love with those songs again or is it something that you've continued since you've mastered it because I guess you've been at perform 
performing it sorry at festivals and things so I guess you've just had it all in but you haven't been able to kind of fully tell everyone about it or showcase yeah. it as such yeah I mean because we've only really been playing I'm not where you are at festivals so like okay. tonight playing at Rough Trade is it's the first time we're going to be playing a whole bunch of the new songs and that's really exciting and you definitely yeah. do kind of fall in love with them again I mean I don't think I've lost love for this record yet um, I certainly haven't listened to it for a long time but mm. something about once you've released it and you kind of you're seeing everyone's reactions you're seeing kind of songs that you maybe thought people would take a bit longer to kind of get their heads around and stuff like that sure. and people are already responding that's really great um but then you kind of listen to it again and this time it's that like you know everyone else has heard it it's, it's yeah. it gives it a slightly different feel that's it's also really nice it's really comfortable yeah um, so I'm kind of I'm going to wait for the next like two three weeks of madness to kind of calm down <laughs> and I might just sit down with it and be like Ah, yeah. Like, it's me and you. We're out here now, you know. <laughs> Sounds good. Just before um, we hit record, actually, you were saying that today's been a little bit crazy. Like, obviously, you've had all the reviews coming in yeah. and people are starting to chat on social media and stuff, but that it's been overwhelmingly positive, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, there's been so much buzz, I think, in the press about how confident this record is yeah. compared to, like, the last two and not just in the sound, but also just you as an artist generally. Um I guess a lot of that comes maybe as quite a natural process mm -hmm. as any artist who's developing, but was it really important for you to kind of take that confidence and mould it and put it into this third album? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I feel like I wanted to be really assertive with this record and I felt um, there was a shift in confidence with the last album, mm. um, definitely. Um, and, you know, and just you grow and you learn things and I kind of could look back at that record and see what I felt like were really like golden moments and kind of be like, mm, I think I need a bit more of this or a bit more of that. Um, you know, and these thoughts always come in. I mean, generally writing a record is quite instinctive, I would mm. say, and there's not too much kind of, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z that really goes into it that actually ends up staying, you know, through the yeah. whole process. You can start with a whole bunch of ideas, but that never really ends up like what it is. Um, but yeah, I knew that I wanted it to be a bit more, brash in a way and kind of just like it landed a little bit more I mm. think the combination of deciding to kind of get the um kind of raucous like fun energy that I had on the second record but record it more in the way that I recorded the first album with kind of like a slick layering up of all of the different sounds um I think that kind of lends itself to being a bit more bold I suppose yeah on that first record you were I don't really want to pigeonhole you but you were kind of branded, I suppose, more as a folk artist yeah. on that record. Yes. Um, <laughs> in, <laughs> in, uh, in 2019, is that is this the Marika that was always there, even back then? Or do you think it took making those first few records and the EPs and things to get to this point? Um, I would say it both. I mean, it definitely took me making all those records to get to this point. It's all a learning process and it's all a, a gaining of confidence. Um, I think... You know, in terms of the way I've always, always viewed myself as an artist going through, um, it's it's first and foremost as a songwriter. And that's mm -hmm. why I found that kind of being dubbed a folk artist, which it felt really at odds with what I was actually trying to do with that mm -hmm. record. Um, and if you think about, you know, the EPs that preceded that, like they're just they're actually just weird. I think basically people couldn't work out what genre to put them in sure. and then saw sort of like. Um, like young white girl with an acoustic guitar um, doing some acoustic sessions at some point and mm. it was like well you're obviously a folk artist and that's where that came from if you actually break those down 
there like a lot of them are really weird bizarre songs there's a lot of like yeah. electronics going on and a lot of there's very unconventional song structures and harmonies and things it's just it's all quite odd and i think that was the thing and that was me really flexing my muscle as a songwriter as at an early age and kind of really focusing on kind of the the materials i was working with you know like how mm. do i write a song what is that kind of how will I define that in the future and I kind of was stretching that as far as I could go and then I kind of brought that back in with the second record um and started to kind of relax into it a little bit more and think thinking more about like sounds and kind of energy and and, and lyrics and things like that and then coming into this third record it feels like I just again as a songwriter it's like I've, I actually have fully kind of like absorbed that process now mm. it's, I, I don't have to kind of push it it's it's just like I've learned it. I've, I've I've worked really hard at learning how to do something, and I think I've got better at it, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Would you say then that this record maybe is the most you record, or is it just an ever evolving kind of journey? I think it's the most reflective of my personality. I think if any, you know, if you spoke to anyone who was close to me, they would say um, that there are sides of me that were definitely present. I mean, all of my work is like very much an introspective kind of self-exploration mm -hmm. um but you know if you listen to that first album you might think that I was like always in a melancholy state or kind of um like a hopeless romantic and I think those things are like true I, I'm not always in a melancholy state. no that's not true <laughs> I am a hopeless romantic and I I do feel sad and I do go through like waves of melancholy but like I think in terms of a rounded representation of me I think this third album is the one that kind of really feels like it fits and I think that's because I was trying to capture the whole like part of my brain like yeah. all, all elements of it you know and yeah. that's kind of gives it all those different shades of what it is to just be be yeah. me or human or whatever and you worked with um David Wrench on this record yes. what was that like did you learn a lot from him yeah I mean I so it's, it was bizarre actually because I'd never worked with anyone else apart from Charlie Andrew and I've been doing this for a long time so that's that was a really big stepping out of my comfort zone mm. and I think also you know kind of putting on the co-production hat as well was quite an intimidating label even though I actually feel like I've been exploring that for a while sure. it's like as soon as you're kind of like dubbed something it's yeah. quite like intimidating yeah. you feel like there's an expectation um but he was just so easy to work with and it just kind of the process was very simple you know like I would have sat at home and I would have arranged all the parts and come in with these pretty fleshed out demos and then um we would just re-record everything and he would just um know exactly what he was doing he's he's like I fall flat when it comes to the more like technological sides of things I don't really understand that okay um stuff like gear and things like that I, I I'm very much always about writing the music and writing the parts um and so he really was the kind of yin to my yang in that way and just kind of knew exactly what was going to get what sound having me kind of do some like waffly, like airy fairy bullshit about yeah. what exactly it was I kind of wanted to get. He'd be like, oh, I've got just the pedal for that or I've got just the synth. And um, yeah, we just set it all up and we worked really, really quickly together. Um, in fact, most of the time spent on this record was waiting for me to finish writing songs so we could just get back in the studio. Okay. Um, it was very kind of immediate um, and kind of raw, which is great. I feel like it's got an energy, even though it's like a more poppy production in a way. Yeah. Did it take quite a while to to do the whole record? Was it kind of in bits or did very you do bitty. it quite? Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very bitty. Yeah, we did sort of, we'd go and do three songs and then I'd take another couple, couple of months out and write another three and then we'd go yeah. back in again and it kind of was like that in jibs and drabs starting in sort of May all the way through to December. So yeah. it was, I've never worked like that before. Yeah. I've talked to a few bands recently who said that 
they wanted to make a record that was really cohesive so kind of making it in one go was quite important do you think do you see your record as quite cohesive even though it was made in quite a bitty kind of way yeah I, I feel like it's cohesive I feel like um that's partly to do with I think my voice is quite um unique in a way I think my voice kind of can sit on top of a lot of different genres and styles and stuff and kind of be the thread that pulls it all together in terms mm. of my style like sonically um and I think a lot of the topics and themes they all like sure. like sit together incredibly well I like to like mess around with genre I kind of I don't really think about what what something's gonna, like a song's going to be before I write it so mm. they usually end up being quite random um but yeah it's funny because I always used to think you know you know to, to make an album properly like you should definitely just like lock yourself away and spend, you know, two months in a studio and make it all in one go. Like, that's the only way to make that happen. Yeah. And actually, the more and more where it's been doing it in these kind of stages, um, in those gaps, you usually write a lot of your best work because it's like you're learning from yourself as you're working and the people around you. And you can start to envision, you know, what the record is actually going to be and you're writing for that and you're writing for, like, whatever that furthest corner is going to be, you know, so a song like Hold On, that's definitely like, you know, a furthest point into the kind of electronic side of the record. And that was going to be pushing that. And it needed that big emotional release. So I could write it. I had, yeah. you know, I hadn't already written everything beforehand. Okay, cool. I want to ask about um, the video for I'm Not Where You Are, mm -hmm. because I read, I think it was DIY magazine, that you were filming this video and there's scenes in it like you're being slapped yeah. and... Like, at the end, you're, like, walking down the street with, covered in tomato juice yeah. and there's clothes being thrown out the window, yes. all this jazz. And, like, local residents, you filmed it. Was it in Peckham? Yeah. People were, like, coming home from work and stuff and thinking that this was real life. Yeah, I think that was that might is a bit far-fetched in terms of thinking <laughs> it was real life. Um, but they were definitely perplexed as to kind of what, what was going we on. were filming. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was lots of people kind of standing on the street just, like... <laughs> and then yeah someone tweeted being like Marika Hammond's getting slapped outside my house <laughs> so people came flocking to see that yes. I'm sure <laughs> I think we actually asked them if they wanted to slap me and they said no oh I know we needed like as many people to slap me as possible yeah was that for your videos do you have uh, presumably a lot of creative input into those do you work with people in terms of putting them together or is it very much your train of thought put into film um, I will usually come up with pretty solid treatments um and then obviously because i'm not really in the film world i will have directors then come back and give me like a realistic mm. way of trying to make Crazy that happen sure. so generally like it involves compromise of my kind of my big ideas about how i kind of imagine a video being but i, I will say actually on this campaign i think um they've turned out really really well um so yeah, like uh, we had to we had to shift some stuff around for the I'm not where you are video, but I was really happy with that. And Will Hooper, the director, was so lovely to work with, and the team were just great. Um, and then with the one, um, that's actually one of the videos. Like, it's actually the best kind of representation of what was in my head that I've ever had from a video. Because mm -hmm. I kind of just went to Libby Bowes, the director, and was like, yeah, like I want to have two elements to me. One's me in the office kind of not living out my dreams and stuff. And the other one is a rock star inside a photocopier. And yeah. he's just like, okay, <laughs> we can make this happen. And he like built the sets and everything. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's it's really fun. I like having a hand in it. Um, I also, 
I've worked with a guy called Sam Bailey before, um, who he's he's a very creative guy, and he's come up for, for the My Love Cindy video with the like the mouths that are like snogging each other on their stomachs mm. at the end mm. and stuff. He came up with that, and he's um he's going to be doing the next one as well. But I can't tell you what that is. But okay. it's um top yeah, secret. it's top secret, but it's very exciting. <laughs> I'm very very excited about it. So yeah, awesome. And I can't really not mention the album cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very much of. Uh, speculated on at work Mm -hmm. here at Rough Trade people have praised it people love it it just grabs your eye and your attention and I think it's really cool but did you always plan on standing (laughs) in pants with a piglet? (laughs) Well yeah I did Um, what happened was I mean from start to finish there was I had another image in mind that was by an artist Um, it's sort of like a photograph of a sculpture and I was like that would be perfect. And then it, she kind of was like, actually, I don't really want to have, it's like, it's my artwork and I don't want it to be. And I was like, you know, I understand that. Okay, fine, fair mm. enough. Um, it's actually kind of the first time I've had a no in that kind of situation. So that stressed me out a little bit because I was like, ah, oh, back to square one. I've got to yeah. suddenly think about, and you know, the artwork is very, very important to me. Sure. Um, it just, it's the, you know, it's what everyone sees first. It's like the visual representation of everything you've been doing. And so naturally, <laughs> for some reason, um, I came up with the idea of standing in a big pair of pants with a with a piglet, <laughs> and I, it came from um, this Dutch photographer called um, Renekt Diestra. It's very hard to pronounce the name, um, but she did this series of portraits of mums um, who've like just given birth, so they're like just straight out of the labour yeah. ward, and they're holding their babies, and they're, they're wearing those big like post birth pants with like sure. sanitary pads and stuff shoved in them. And there's a real, I mean, I saw these when I was like 16. And it stuck with me. There was a real sort of, such a vulnerability, but it was so strong because of that. And, you know, so raw and striking. And the fact that those images stuck with me, I kind of felt like, you know, if I was looking at the front of an album and I felt like it was a really honest, raw, vulnerable, but like brave and strong album, like that as a visual to me just fits perfectly. Mm. And if I was like scanning through a bunch of vinyl or whatever and that, you know, someone's standing there. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. We just kind of went for it, and I chose the piglet because I felt like, um, you know, people have ideas about pigs that there's a lot of misjudgments about pigs, um, and actually they're like really clever, like really interesting, amazing mm-hmm. creatures. So it's this whole idea of like I'm accepting it for what it is, and that's okay. what the whole kind of record, record is about. about. Sure. Um, but yeah, I also think it's just nice as well to see women's bodies um, that are just like women's bodies you know like my body isn't one that I see reflected back at me Mm. ever like Mm. in in society um but like I love my body so it's kind of like you know put it out there and it's like someone else I mean I love my body but there's bits I struggle with bits of it on some days and things like that so it's kind of like I just felt like in the same way I was like oh I wish when I was a kid I'd been listening to some more like queer women singing music it's like I'd also love to see some more people just being really natural you know it just makes you feel so much better yeah definitely and I think that comes across as you say the artwork's really reflective of the record but it comes across so well in the record too like speaking about sexual experiences between women like you just wouldn't have heard that on an album 20 30 years ago just no way so it must be so liberating in a way that you can just go out there and produce whatever you want basically Completely. yeah it's amazing and I feel very lucky that I'm in a generation that I can do that mm. um, I'm not having to sort of like mask my truth in that way yeah and I also feel really lucky that I can be you know that someone for that kind of like 14 15 year old girl living out somewhere that's just like freaking out about her sexuality and doesn't mm. really know who she is and or feels like she's not 
really hearing her voice anywhere from anyone else because it's all about connecting with people you want to hear yourself reflected back that's yeah. like what people want yeah um and what people need to like not feel lonely um and i mean i would have like really loved to have had that voice for me when i was growing up mm. so i just think it's really nice that i i get to, i get to do that is really yeah. that really it really touches me a lot yeah is there anything that's inspired you in your journey to kind of create this music or would you say that it's just completely reflective of what's going on in your brain i mean it's pretty much just a complete brain exploration <laughs> i mean there's obviously things along the way like i was reading lots of kathy acker with this record which i think you can tell which is why it's quite sort of full frontal and gnarly um and kind of unashamedly crass in mm, a way mm. um so that was a, an inspiration i think in terms of the lyrics um and like prior to that i mean you know living with amber a japanese house for you know our, like a long time in our relationship mm. she's a lot more poppy than me and that was something that you know kind of around that and we talk about that kind of stuff and you get inspired by things i kind of just absorb stuff but i never really yeah. sit down and kind of work out what that was yeah so you can kind of like reflect back on things that you might have experienced yeah. to put into something that you're going to produce yeah exactly rather than kind of sitting around being like oh <laughs> that, that's dangerous i think <laughs> Cool. Well, we're really excited to obviously have you play Rough Trade East tonight. And I think you're playing Rough Trade Nottingham. Yes. And Rough Trade Bristol. Yes, correct. Which is awesome. Um, yeah, really, really excited about the record. Thank you. You can get it on a salmon pink vinyl. Yeah. I believe, which is pretty sexy. <laughs> it's pretty sexy. <laughs> um, thank you so much for chatting to me. That's can cool. I ask you to pick a track of the record to play us out today that maybe it's one that relates to what we've spoken about or is just your favourite or yeah I think I mean it's I go for the title track which is Any Human Friend it closes the record um, it's the one I feel the most sort of emotionally connected to because it gives such a sense of hope so it's so optimistic as a closer for such a quite a heavy record mm. and um, it kind of sums up the whole sentiment of it all which is just like you know it's it's that breathing out at the end and being like we're all okay like you're yeah. okay and um yeah, it's it's kind of the one that gets me the most in the chest, I think. Yeah, but it's also for me, it's really nice closer because I think it's quite, it's not very, it's not downbeat, it's quite hopeful. Yes, it's so like that kind of rising the way it just like rises off as well yeah. at the end. It's like it floats away. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's kind of it feels positive. It's like I think it's the most positive bit on the album, which is really nice to say for the last. Yes, definitely. Marie Hackman, thank you very very much. Thank you.
The person you have dialed can't take your call now. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press the pound key for further options. <sighs> Guys, I keep calling. You don't pick up. It's really disheartening. I'm feeling not very loved. But just the same, I'm going to give you the info on what's happening over here at Rough Trade NYC. Oh, boy. Guys, did you know we had an exciting listening party for the new Bonnie Vare album? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe I can go to YouTube. Bon Iver. Oh. Bon Iver. Okay, Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon uh, is that the right pronunciation? I'm never sure. Let's check another. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. I, I don't know. It, let's, I mean, there's got to be. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Or... Okay, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. All I know is that he has a new album coming out August 30th. We're very excited about it. You can go to our website and pre-order it. You should do that if you care about Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Um, speaking of pre-orders, let's talk about, you know, some exciting pre-orders. I'm not going to talk about records. You know what? Let's just forget about records. Let's talk about books. Do you guys like to read? Do you know how to read? I think you do. You're smart folks. You listen to podcasts. You're educated. How about the new Liz Fair memoir? That's right. It's called The Horror Stories. It comes out uh, October 8th. We have that up for pre-order on our website. You should check that out. That's probably going to be a good read. What else? Um, there's another really exciting book coming out. What was it? It was... Flea. <laughs> right? Guys, Flea has a book called Acid for the Children. Flea. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's in a band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. My favorite thing to do is to call Rough Trade when I'm not working... And anytime anyone picks up, I go, you got any chili peppers? Um, it's just a good way to, you know, make sure my staff's on point. Um, it's, a, it's, I mean, you know, say what you will about Flea. If you're into slapping, slap happy bass, you're probably on board. But if you're not, I'm sure you can respect the fact that the kid has some tales to tell. And I say kid, that sounds you know, sounds like I'm talking down to him. But the fact of the matter is, as we both know, Flea is a very important man in the world of rock and roll, in the world of funk, in the world of slap bass. So I'm not trying to step to that. Um, last but not least, um, let me tell you a little about myself. I'm George. I'm, uh, I manage Rough Trade NYC. I'm always interested in your feedback. You can email me at george at roughtrade.com. Uh, if anyone's listening to this, if you want to tell me how much I'm terrible and you're sick of me, or you say like, hey, you know what, George, I like your perspective. You got a great point of view. Keep it up. I'd like to hear that too. Um, I'm sitting in the store. It's 1 a.m. and I'm tired, but I had to call you guys and give you all this info. Um, oh, I just went to New Orleans, so... Because of that, I'm gonna make um, I'm gonna make it about me and uh, play you out with some meters. Do you guys know the meters? You ought to know the meters. 
And if you don't, there's no song that's going to hook in stronger into the meters than this little one called Sissy Strut Meters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to George. We are so sorry we missed the calls, but we do love the voicemails and we're really sad if you don't leave one, even if it is one in the morning. Um, so yeah, George will be back next week, we hope. Thank you also to Marika Hackman. All three of her Rough Trade sets were absolutely killer. Um, we love this album, so please do go and snap it up if you haven't yet. End of the show this week, and it's introduced a couple of weeks back in a bit of a spiel at the beginning of the episode. Um, I'm going to end with a Rough Trade Essential Spotlight. So this week, 
Kurt Vile and the album God is Saying This to You. So this album was originally released in 2009. The record is a compilation of tracks from Overnight KV, which was a tour-only CDR, along with a handful of extra tracks recorded specifically for this release. It's a wonderful mix of bluegrass guitar, psychedelic to its core, and these are 12 really effortless tracks from Kurt. So even better news is that we have a Rough Trade exclusive red splatter version available to pre-order right now at roughtrade.com. And it also coincides really, really nicely as our label focus actually switches over this week. So we wave a wonderful goodbye to the brilliant Mr. Bongo and celebrate the incoming of the equally brilliant Mexican summer. So do look out for that in store and also online. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy this. This is Kurt Vahl and my best friends don't even pass this. Thank you very, very much for listening and I will see you in the next one. Bye. My best friends don't even pass this way again I think I must have insulted them
Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.